Welcome to the Woman Who Rubs the Mountain podcast, a gathering place for conversations and stories of ecological embodiment. I'm your host and guide, Kendra Ward. So again and again, our explorations begin with this single question. What happens when we rub on the body of the earth? How does it brush back against us? Here we seek an intimacy, a love affair even, with the land and beings where we live. The point of us gathering in this way is to find creative, strange, disruptive ways of relating beyond the human-centric limitations of our current dreaming. By sharing experiences of embodied ecology, our reality shifts, our core truths sharpen and space is made for a new old earth-honoring culture to reemerge. So right now, tuning in to the place where I live, it's the morning of September 7th, and I'm feeling directly informed by the presence of two particular beings who happen to be at their golden zenith right now, goldenrod and sunflower. So both of these plants just showing up so mightily in their uprightness, through their bodies, the way that they are so unafraid to push up against the sky, reminding us of our self-actualization and personal power. So just calling them in a bit into this conversation today, letting their energies inform us. And I am so very excited to go deeper into the soul medicine of flowers today with my guest, Lindsay Fauntleroy. Lindsay is a licensed acupuncturist, and she is the founder of The Spirit Seed, a community that offers personal and professional development courses rooted in ancestral understandings of health, humanity, nature, and the cosmos. Her approach to soul medicine emerged through 15 years of clinical practice doctoral studies of indigenous and African diasporic psychology, and her commitment to community wellness. Lindsay's five element flower essence remedies, the elementals are available nationally and internationally, and they really form the backbone of her newly published book called In Our Element, Using the Five Elements as Soul Medicine to Unleash Your Personal Power. So, Lindsay, so, so very glad to have you with me here today. And I can just give, you know, testament to Lindsay's extraordinary talent as a teacher and um, her vast, wide wisdom, her connection to the flowers. I'm just so happy to have you with me. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. I'm ecstatic to be here. Can't can't wait for our conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just tune in to the sense of intimacy with place. And I'm really curious to hear how you are rubbing on or finding a love affair with the place where you live, especially in this moment as there's this very palpable turning of the seasons into the earth element. Mm -hmm. I have had morning walks in my practice for a very long time. And Recently, you know, coming out of the fire element season, there was so much going on, so much external activity and really feeling so ungrounded and in an excited frenzy, but still in a frenzy. 
And so within that, I was starting to feel all of the things ungrounded, scattered. And then I remembered, oh, your morning walk is your prayer, you know, and it feels like it's so simple, you know, just get up and walk. And so I have my uh, alarm set for whenever sunrises or a few minutes before sunrise, because I like to go outside and walk while the sun is coming up. And recently I've been really having a love affair with the breeze. There's just something about, you know, just listening to how it ruffles through bushes and trees and leaves and how it moves the waves on the river. And so I've been making a a very intentional practice for whenever I feel that breeze to just stop and listen. And that has been, and you know, the breeze is blowing a lot lately. So it's a lot of stopping and a lot of listening, (laughs) Uh uh, which is a good (laughs) reminder for me. And just, just feeling that wind on my cheek or through my hair has been quite a way to start each morning. It's it's bringing me deeper into myself. And I just feel like I'm hearing um, nature talk to me a bit more loudly when I stop and listen to the breeze. That's so beautiful. It's it, the, you know, as we move closer and closer to the fall, it feels like that wind, that air elemental, um, what in some traditions is related to the east, mm-hmm. or it seems very appropriate with your um, sense of welcoming this newborn sun every yes. morning, you know, that the that the breeze, the air elemental comes to you that way as well. Right. Um, the freshness of that and um, the way that the wind, um, the, the personality of the different kinds of wind that really kind of pick up in the, as we get closer and closer to fall. Um, yeah. But yes, even now, just the, um, sometimes I'll call it the breeze in the summer, like dessert. It's like the dessert breeze. <laughs> it's like, I don't need it. Des- I don't need actual dessert. I just want the, the breeze. The breeze. You know? And in, uh, in African traditions, there's a goddess Oya. And she's the mother of the wind. And she's really, a lot of her signatures are really aligned with what we typically think of as the metal element in terms of how she can strip things away to make space for something new. And um, so I've been feeling her presence as I'm stopping and listening. I'm feeling her whisperings a little bit more as well Mm. and just really leaning into her embrace. Lovely. Um, Mama Oya. (laughs) Yes. Beautiful. Well, um, just as a way to ground our conversation, and also it might be possible that some folks listening aren't very familiar with flower essences, Mm -hmm. I was hoping that you might give us your special description of what flower essences are. Absolutely. (laughs) So I always, when I talk about flower essences, I always start by distinguishing them from essential oils. Because now doing this work for 15 years, people still think I'm talking about essential oils when I talk about flower essences. So I would say that flower essences are close cousins to essential oils. So essential oils, we have a beautiful aroma and a scent that we can use in our homes and on our bodies. And flower essences just take that vibration of an essential oil and the healing properties of an essential oil to a more ephemeral vibration. And so while the essential oils, I consider the feeling body of a plant, I consider flower essences the thought body or the mental body of a plant. 
And so when we're working with flower essences, we're really working specifically with the intelligence and the consciousness of that particular flower that is reflected in its growth patterns, that's reflected in its geometry, but become affirmations or signatures of higher truths as we work with them and ingest them. Mm, beautiful. I love the the um, gathering in of the sacred geometry piece of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, and what the, do you, yeah, go ahead. I was uh, going to raise up and just say that the the geometry of nature always brings me back to the the intention of nature's design. You know, everything is is very specific when we start looking at the number of petals or how it grows mm-hmm. and the seasons and how it interacts with other species and that sort of thing. It's all very, there's a very clear intelligence and design there. And it takes that sense of presence and listening and slowing down enough to to tune in to all those many aspects and messages and energetics of the plant. That's right. So, yeah. Well, tell me a little bit more about, um, you know, I'm curious in working with the plants, sometimes it can be a bit of our human-centric conditioning to mm-hmm. unconsciously um, orient from this extractionistic frame of mind, uh, which I feel like was deeply embedded in my training with um, herbal medicine, mm-hmm. um, really the, without meaning to, but really having this underlying sort of what can you do for me? Mm-hmm. You know, um, like, and, and that's part of the, I don't know that that deeply protocolized mechanistic way that we can sometimes work with plants. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so all of that being said, um, I do also believe that plants want to be helpful or in relationship or, in, you know, engaging with us ongoingly. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are around finding a middle path with this, um, using flower essences and other plant beings, um, while also, you know, ongoingly working with unlearning or recognizing at least our sort of extractionistic tendencies? Yeah. Oh, it's such a a big question and a beautiful question at the same time. And I can definitely relate to that the herbal training. And even to some extent, when we're looking at flower essences, our go-to is like, well, what does this plant do? How can it help me? What do I need, me, myself, as an individual to reach me, my own personal goals? And mm-hmm. that's often the starting point. And one of the things that I teach in at the Spirit Suit, we have a class called uh, Ecological Consciousness and Reciprocity. And so the reciprocity is the key word there because as humans, we're, it's not humans and nature, it's humans as nature. And so remembering that we are of a shared breath, coming back full circle to, to what we were talking about a moment ago, we're of shared breath, we are of shared roots, and we're, we're here on a shared plane. And so as we are working with the flower essences or whatever plant medicine we're working with, it is a reciprocal relationship. So I have definitely had the experience of feeling into the enthusiasm that the natural world has for supporting us. In some ways, I almost imagine some of the plants saying, why won't they listen to me? They're ruining the earth. <laughs> yeah. And so they have this, this wisdom that they are ready and willing to share And also, as human beings, we have the agency 
to be responsible about how we care for the earth as well. And so when we think about reciprocity, it's not in a transactional way. Like you do this for me and I do this for you. So we can't give to the natural world what it gives to us. We're not organized in that way. Um, but what we can give is our care, concern, our noticing, our responsibility around how we consume, how we release what we don't need, how we uh, tend to or give attention to. Do we pick up trash when we see it or do we walk past it? Um, do we, you know, how do we care for the natural world? How do we honor? How do we send prayers? How do we water both physically and emotionally and spiritually the land where we stand? Um, I think that's that's part of it. I think it's finding our way back to a reciprocal reciprocal relationship, but remembering that reciprocal doesn't necessarily mean transaction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm as you're talking, I'm getting this sense of. Um, of just acknowledging the plants as living beings. You know, I think that we're so trained in, you know, walking somewhere or in Mm -hmm. kind of seeing like dead wood or, um, Mm -hmm. or, or like a non-sentient something green, but, but um, just, you know, even this working with um, speaking out loud or, Mm -hmm. you know, just disruptive acts to, remind ourselves in the livingness of that being um so yeah just a a little extra piece and even that presence you know I think that there's so many scientific studies and I'm not a huge science fan but I do love when the science and the spirit are speaking the same language. And so there's so many studies about how plants grow better when you sing to them or when you send them love or loving energy. And so it is a very real thing of in terms of how our intention, how our appreciation, how our presence influences the environment around us. And so I think that's part of the place, one of the places where as humans, we have a choice that we don't always exercise in terms of what is the the thought vibration or what is the energetic um, resonance that we're emitting from ourselves into the environment, whether that environment is our home, whether that environment is the land, whether that environment is a community that we can have more agency uh, and responsibility around what we're emitting as well as what we're absorbing. Yeah. Yeah. And the flowers are such good teachers that way. They are. Yeah. And they're so forgiving. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Well, I, I haven't, for those of you who are watching this video, this is Lindsay's beautiful book. Um, and if you are just listening, you're going to have to go and get yourself a copy of the book. That's the only way you get to see how beautiful it is. Um, But just tuning into In Our Element a little bit further, I wanted to um, just pull from a section. It's on page 217, where you describe returning from your flower essence study in California and how, quote, you, you felt this whimsical openness 
you had experience in Northern Cali, harden into the armor that you needed to navigate the Brooklyn streets, end quote. So mm -hmm. in that same section, you mention environmental justice leader Carl Anthony describing the sense of loss suffered by many people living in cities who feel traumatized by the fact that they just don't have a, a functional ongoing relationship with nature. So I was hoping that um, you might speak to this a little bit more. It feels like a really important question these days as we're increasingly, you know, are, are these human impacted spaces, heavily human impacted spaces that we're living in while also um, so many possibilities to still connect. Um, so, you know, how might we work with the land spirits and the more than human world um, while living in these, in these places? One of the things that came up for me while I was doing that flower essence training, and it was in Northern California, it was at the Flower Essence Society. They had this huge botanical garden called Terra Flora, is the name of the land. And so when you're immersed in nature in that way, and you're completely safe, and you're completely protected, and you're surrounded by people who are also singing and talking to plants, mm -hmm. there's a different side of you that can open up. Mm -hmm. And it's a different type of sensitivity that we can't not we can't necessarily bring that back into an urban urban environment it wouldn't be safe to be that open and that whimsical or that um astrally oriented and still be walking and navigating the cars and the people and all of those things and so what I did when I came back from that trip was I worked with a flower essence called uh, Green Ecoceana. And what I learned from that flower essence is I almost feel like I'm citing the flower essence for their knowledge. <laughs> but what I learned from that flower essence is that, you know, nature is everywhere. And so I started to notice that even though I was living in this environment that to me felt like literally a concrete jungle, that there was grass coming up between the cracks in the sidewalk, that there were entire empty lots of wildflowers and wild plants that, you know, you just see an empty lot and you're thinking about what building either used to be there or what building is coming and not really noticing that there's an entire ecosystem just in that lot right there, um, that there are parks and there are all of these places in the city that you can connect to nature. And so that was one of the first lessons that I learned from that flower essence was how to be intentional about noticing and being present to the nature that was there mm -hmm. and how that nature was actually supportive of humanity. So I started to notice that there were trees on certain blocks and to appreciate how those trees were filtering the air for us. And I, I like to refer to them as standing there doing God's work, you know, those, those urban trees that line the streets. And then another part of it, and I think this speaks to Carl Anthony's point about the environmental activism, is really being present to and aware of how uh, communities and people are either not given access to natural spaces and or taken from their ancestral lands and to question my, you know, I don't want to say ignorance, but it, it is somewhat that, but it was a privilege to not have to think about that. And so as I started to remember that I'm surrounded by nature, I also awaken an awareness around, but what am I doing to support 
the nature that is here and the connection of people to land. And so that's how I got really interested in composting and started to explore community gardening and, and other places in the city where I could actually be active in response to that awareness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. It, I mean, <clears throat> there is always a mentorship available, you know, there's always a mentorship like, like your breeze mentorship, you know, right. there's always a mentorship available, um, even in, you know, the tiniest of spaces, the crack of things, right. um, even in the the clouds and the you know the star nation and the there right. there's so much available, um, but you know we just um, yeah sometimes need to broaden our availability um, mm -hmm. our viewpoint even further, um, but it's there. So and to advocate, I think is is something that I'm learning more and more about is. How do I play a role advocating, particularly for urban youth, mm -hmm. to be in green greener spaces? And because in some ways you don't know what you're missing until you experience what you're missing, you know, mm -hmm. and there are unfortunately in a lot of urban environments, young people who have never experienced an open natural space. Mm -hmm. And so how do I support that happening? And what are the organizations that are doing that? And 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 putting in that level of intention as well mm -hmm. the bridge of reconciliation and possibility of connection beautiful mm -hmm. I love yeah that. yeah well um in our element um what i i'd say that that the in knowing you a little bit Lindsay, there I, I feel like your this authenticity just, just shines through the pages. Your, you know, love uh, of yoga postures and affirmations and music. And so, you know, just tuning into all of our senses. This this is called um, you know, rubbing on the place where we live. So I, I'm I, I love this sense of haptic wisdom of like using our senses to really like palpate and know a place better. So just uh, using our sense of, of listening through music. Mm -hmm. I was hoping that you might speak a little bit further to music as medicine. And um, for those of you who haven't gotten the book yet, there's, you know, Lindsay offers these awesome playlists. And so, but even in creating our own playlists, once you get more familiar with the elements, um, you know, ways of working with the energetics of music. Yeah, that really came out of, I mean, I will start by saying I've used music my entire life to heal and to soothe my emotional body. I was, I've always been that, that kid, right? I've always had variations of headphones on since the early nineties. And so when I was first learning about the elements through the alchemical healing training that's uh, facilitated by Laura Deshar and Benjamin Fox, there was a class where we were exploring the elements through different sounds, through different pieces of music. And I really resonated with that because the pulse of these elements is a vibration and we can really feel that in music. In fact, one of my first acupuncture teachers um, was teaching me to read the, po the pulse 
And, you know, in classical acupuncture, as you know, there's all of these like traditional pulses, the slippery pulse, the choppy pulse. And I was saying to her, I was like, I don't know what that means because I don't have a reference, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and she said, don't worry about the description. She said, just listen to a person's music. She said the pulse is just music, whether someone's pulse is bum, 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 or someone's pulse is duh, duh, duh. She's like, just know the music of it. And that will tell you what you need to know. And so that resonance with music, with sound, with vibration really is part of the element's wisdom that each season feels like a different song to me. Mm. And so I started playing with that and created first I started by creating these these playlists for myself because I wanted to embody these elements and and then I started to think about okay well these are some songs without music without lyrics where the tonality is really resembling these elements and helping me to learn and embody them and then I started thinking about songs where the actual lyrics are communicating these soul lessons I call them of each of the elements and so I just started layering them together and then when I started teaching this work in high schools this the high school students had an entirely different range of music that they were listening to and we started playing with those songs as well and it it really brought to life we we talk about the elements as being archetypal as being timeless as being cross-cultural And I feel like the music really helps us to experience that, that you can have these songs from different genres that are 30, 40 years apart in terms of when they were released, but yet there's still this through line Mm -hmm. of this feeling that is archetypal and belongs to each of the elements. So that has been really fun for me as I bring this out into the world as I teach, as I share, hopefully with the book that folks will start building their own playlists as they really learn to lean into and embody what these elements feel like. You know, one of the things that I love about this medicine is that we could read all of the books, but we understand the elements from within, right? Mm -hmm. We know what spring feels like. We know what winter feels like. We know what it feels like to be hot and humid and sticky and clingy. We know what it feels like to be uh, fresh and new and spring-like. And so my hope is that as the music being one of the ways that we get to that, but that we really start tuning in and paying attention to how these elements are living within us already. And the book is meant to be just a springboard into that inner exploration uh, as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I love that. I I um I have to say that finding the song, like what a practice and presence, like for you two, because I just as it never, you know, I found other ways to to play with or kind of embody the elements, but I just hadn't really explored the music, the vibrational aspect. Mm. But then, you know, um like in some of your classes, uh, the songs that you, you know, make, make folks listen to, um, it just is like, oh, wow. Like it just opens (laughs) up this whole other level that just didn't really occur to me to kind of go there with it. But it is like talking about this practice and presence. It is just such a 
you know, you can feel the way it moves your cells and your body um, through the musicality of it. So that's really, um, I love the the further creative exploration of all of that. It takes it to just this next level. Oh, so, thank you. Yeah. And it was fun editing those lists because, of course, you know, for me, I had probably about a hundred songs for each element <laughs> and the publisher <laughs> very wisely instructed me to, you know, rein it in a little bit. And so even that practice of like, well, does this song capture the essence mm -hmm. of this element, you know, and even in that process, it, there was something in that too, of me really having to distill down to the essence of the thing. And that is as part of the creative process as well, there's the generation and then there's also the stripping back to the essence so that it can stand on its own. And, and that was its own process as well. Mm, yeah. Listening that well. Um, well, I'm, you know, I feel like we're both um, with every turning of the season, just tuning in and listening to the themes, the lessons, the spirit questions, more and more and more, I feel like there's always something new that reveals itself in that deep listening of that that turning of the seasonal wheel, the cycle mm -hmm. of transformation. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm curious in your deep listening these days. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's anything new being revealed, or is there like a season that you particularly? I mean, I know it's a complex thing, what we're attracted to, what feels easy for us, what feels maybe more challenging. But um, I'm curious how like moving into this earth element time, mm -hmm. and maybe we could talk a little bit um, for, for for people who are, are less familiar with the themes of this time, but mm -hmm. how it feels to you in your body, if there's any like new things being um, floating to the surface or you know, what you're, you're feeling lately in that cycle of transformation? I definitely love the earth element season. I feel like whatever season we're in, for some reason, I talk about it as my favorite season. So no disrespect to fire or water or wood <laughs> or any of the others. Right. <laughs> but in this, this earth element season feels particularly delicious. And maybe it's because it is just resonating so much with my experience that I I feel into the earth giving me so many answers to the questions that are being evoked for me right now. And so in my book, I talk about the soul lessons of the earth element being about remembering that our body is a temple and really tuning into how to be grounded and centered and how to center ourselves in the midst of all the things that are spinning around. And so you know, my daughter is going into her second year of high school. I'm moving into a new phase in my career. There's just so much whirling and whirling and whirling and coming out of the summer's fire and the frenzy that coming back to earth has meant really deeply listening to my body. And so one of the ways that I feel my ancestors talk to me is through books and I feel like when I either wake up with a particular song on replay in my head or a particular book that I want to pick up, I feel like it's a message from the light beings telling me to look a particular way. And so your book actually came up for me, the cycle, and specifically the chapter on um, the voice of the body. Hmm. And I have it, I've been reading it 
like a prayer or meditation. And this idea of coming back to being the body and not having a body, being the body and not having a body has been so deliciously grounding and affirming for me through this this earth element season. Um, Just really paying attention to what does my body want and being honest in listening to the answer because it it has really required that I get out of my head about what I think I should be doing at any given time and to what does my body actually desire, crave, long for. And that type of listening is really refreshing right now for me because there are so many things to do. There's always going to be so many things to do. And then my body will say something like, take a long bath. And then my head will say, well, we can't because we have X, Y, and Z. And then I'll start doing X, Y, and Z and realize that I'm not getting anything done because my body wants a bath. (laughs) And so that has been a a beautiful discovery. I have gone through different periods where I have eliminated certain foods from my diet just for health reasons and for clarity and all of those things. And with the season shifting, I've really been craving sweet, sweet foods. Mm. And I'm like, is this, you know, am I making this up? Is this real? Am I just giving my, you know, am I thinking about sweet foods because I know it's the earth season or is there something in my body that's wanting a different type of nourishment? So I've just been flowing with that and not thinking too harshly about it or too critically about it, but really just allowing my body to take up space and to um, spread out Hmm. and to, uh, you know, imagine myself walking as a mountain, you know, to just be that heavy and that grounded and that uh, substantive is is what I'm leaning into for this earth element season. Beautiful. I know that the heaviness is like a, a, a special energetic quality when we really tune in to you know, the heaviness that starts to take place of the the heaviness of the sunflower head mm-hmm. drooping or like the heaviness yeah. of, yeah, just everything beginning that process of wanting to fall back to the earth mm-hmm. um, and just celebrating what a beautiful, um, you know, intent to to walk like a mountain or to, to take up space in that way. It feels like mm-hmm. just in that listening to our bodies it's such a such a simple thing that it takes like the you know such a long time to, I, I feel like it's a it's an essential key piece that we might bring children back to you know it's like what is your ba- body saying now and what is right. it what is your body telling you now like it's such a such a small thing that um you know if there's certain those key pithy life lessons and it feels like in being able to at a young age tune into mm-hmm. you know that the the body felt wisdom or like what does it mean to connect your you know your gut with your heart with your mind with your inner truth cord and sync it all right. together um yeah but uh yeah I, even as you know as adults we struggle with this like you know, what is my body saying now, but learning maybe even at a younger point, how to do that, how to return to ourselves that way. 
Right. And I, I think you give a beautiful context for it in your book when you talk about patriarchy and the, you know, even just saying I'm allowing my body to take up space mm -hmm. is is maybe a different messaging than women often hear about what our bodies, how much space our bodies should take up, how big we should be, how small we should be, how light we should be. And And even to the point about children, you know, when we look in the school system, and I think it's changing somewhat, but there's still very much a culture of, you know, you can only use the bathroom during certain breaks and you can only eat during lunchtime. And so we're really taught at a young age not to listen to the cues of our body, to override the cues of our body. And so this coming back to the body is, is it's simple work, but it's such big and deep work. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it is it is big and deep there's a lot a lot there to explore but oh i'm going to take your um i'm going to take that that image with me through the earth element um that was really beautiful thank you yeah well just wondering if um in in sort of gathering everything together if there are any particular offerings um coming up this fall or just in general uh that you wanted to tell us more about or you know that what you're doing with your with your book is is plenty but just <laughs> anything else to highlight thank you for asking yeah. uh, well i do this i consider this time of the year back to school season that's kind of my earth element signature and so the spirit seed opens up its fall term of classes and so coming up uh, starting in october we have the in our element class which is very much related to the book. It actually predates the book. Uh, and it's a class where we spend um, from October through April of living in, embodying the elements and learning about specific flower essences and practices to use with each of the elements. And it's a lot of fun. We bring in a lot of art. We bring in, of course, the music, the poetry, the dance of the elements. And so that class starts in October. I'm super excited and always really amazed and inspired by the the folks that show up to join that community and then following that course there's the into the depths course which is the nine stages of soul healing and so we look at the non-linear journey of healing because we don't go from bad to better to better it's a little messier but there is a, a cycle and a rhythm that we can track both as self-healers and also as practitioners that are doing this level of uh, work with our with our clients and patients so both of those classes are on the spirit seed uh, the spiritseed.org and again super excited I'm always amazed by who finds their way there and and all that they contribute to our community of co-created knowledge Awesome. Beautiful. What like juicy, They're very juicy. Uh-huh. Well, I will definitely um, list that on the show notes and just make sure it's easy for everyone to find. Amazing. And um, Thank you. yes, in addition to all of your other beautiful offerings, your flower essences, which so much thought and presence um, and probably practice and wisdom went into making that line. I mean, just, I'm always, I'm amazed when I read the descriptions and the, and just the, the, you know, the flower beings that, that went into your creations. I mean, what a beautiful thing, um, you. your line of flower essences. Yeah. So yes. Well, excellent. Um, just 
so many thanks to you, Lindsay, for spending your life's energy in this way. And, you know, just this, this prayer to you that your book and your work may continue to just move this potent medicine into the world. So it's beautiful. Um, so much gratitude to everyone listening for spending this time with us. And if it felt of benefit to you, please consider subscribing to the podcast ongoingly from whatever your preferred listening source is. That way you can be notified whenever a new episode is released. And I just so much appreciate you sitting here with us, being in the trouble and the struggle, moving against your edges a bit as we find new ways of relating while simultaneously submerging ourselves in a great love for this wild earth. So much gratitude and kinship. Bye for now. <laughs>